Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Square One Podcast. Really excited that you joined today. Our guest this week is Santiago Siri. He's an Argentine entrepreneur, and um, he's one of the people in this space who've really been directly affected by the negative consequences of a centralized fiat currency that is mis uh, mismanaged, really. I mean, Argentina, I don't know if you are familiar, but their economy is essentially constantly in threat of economic decline due to interest rates and reliance on foreign currencies. Um, and I, you know, I don't mean to act like I am uh, an expert in that area, but I do know the um, extremity of the swings and how quickly money that people in Argentina have can turn to essentially uh, dust and, and, and essentially become worthless. And this kind of loops back to uh, the first conversation we had with Andy Tudhope, where in that conversation, he mentioned that for a, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, um, but for a society uh, to, to shift paradigms, today we have a society that requires everyone to work in order to be fed and um, in that way, you know, n- you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, like nothing comes for free, like that's the, the de facto society system. And I think, you know, I, I actually don't have a strong opinion on, on, on this versus the system that Santi is, is like imagining. I think um, Santi is imagining something that's more inspired uh, he's asking for a society that pays for people's basic needs in order for and so that they can contribute to a more just and wholesome society. And so, yeah, I guess like to 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 kind of be a little bit more concise, one society is is one that um, requires effort to participate in and join and the other is one that gifts uh, resources to its members and expects um, participants to to enhance it I'm sure this is really oversimplifying it and there's a lot more nuance there but that's kind of the general the, the two kind of paradigms that we're um, thinking through because Santi's project is called Democracy Earth. And Democracy Earth, um, most recently, their biggest initiative has been launching a token system for universal basic income, where all you have to do is verify your identity through a system that they have uh, created via the blockchain, and you will be streamed UBI tokens. And it's it's working. There's thousands of people on this platform now. Democracy Earth was originally a YC startup and, you know, has continued to evolve. And Santi is um, 
he's one of the people who are just, he's extremely inspired. And, um, you know, he respects the innovation that's happening around decentralized finance and uh, more profit-seeking um, uh, projects and initiatives. But he's really dedicated to doing his best to create technology that builds a a more meritocratic or a future that supports people. Anyway, um, there's a lot of, of depth in this episode, so don't want to waste your time. Please enjoy and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening. Ron, awesome. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining another episode of Square One. I'm here with Santi. Uh, who is currently in Argentina. Um, I've been a, a fan of, of Santi and his work for quite a while, and, and um, uh, he's, he's, uh, we're going to you know, get into exactly what he's doing on this call today. Um, but maybe first, Santi, would you mind just giving a bit of background for our listeners of uh, where you're coming from and what brought you, you know, to, to lead Democracy Earth today? So a slight correction, um, I'm Argentine, but I live in, in Spain now, so I'm in Madrid. Uh-huh. Um, I've been researching for almost a decade now, um, digital democracy for the information age. And what we have been doing throughout different projects all of these years is to implement different pilots, different models of democracy that uh, seem to make sense to us. Uh, when, when we mean researching democracy for the information age is, you know, what are the right technologies? What's, what's the proper game theory? Uh, how should uh, citizenship or identity be handled? And uh, 10 years ago, almost, uh, I began a political party in Buenos Aires called Partido de la Red. And uh, that party ran for elections in 2013. We got 22,000 votes. Uh, that led to developing open source software for democracy as an initial first step. And then eventually we uh, we got a grant from Y Combinator in 2015 that brought me to the United States. And there uh, in California, I started the Democracy Earth Foundation, uh, which has been implementing and, and researching digital democracy uh, for six years now. Uh, we have done pilots in many places around the world, Colombia, Hong Kong, uh, Tunisia, Argentina, of course, Mexico, United States. Uh, we've been working with all kinds of organizations, political parties, nonprofits, government at the local level, at the federal level, uh, distributed networks. And we tried every brand of democracy you can imagine, uh, direct democracy, participatory budgeting, uh, liquid democracy, um, quadratic voting. Uh, so that led us to, you know, you know, get some clear notions of what works and what doesn't. And uh, today we're pretty much focused on a project called Proof of Humanity, which is a protocol for generating identities for human beings using uh, smart contracts and, and crypto economic incentives. So we don't have a a central authority uh, handling the identities. And it's a really interesting project because we are able to deploy on top of it, democratic systems or democratic DAOs on top of Ethereum 
and uh, uh, we we actually roll out a universal basic income token uh, which right now it's it's uh, it's as a whole it's a 30 million dollar network and uh, it's been running for 25 days and it's really interesting to see to see that evolve alongside with proof of humanity that's amazing um I mean, there's plenty of like places to kind of dive in here, but uh, on that last point, so there's a $30 million UBI network that has formed over the past 25 days. What does that mean? Can we uh, dig into that specifically? So the dynamic of the token that we generated called UBI gets uh, automatically streamed to every verified human on proof of humanity uh, second by second. Uh, it's a, a fixed quantity per second that gets streamed to verified humans. So if you want to get access to this universal basic income scheme, you must go through proof of humanity. This is a system where you generate a proof of yourself using video and uh, an Ethereum wallet where you need to do the signature. And uh, if no one complains about your identity, meaning that we don't allow robots or uh, duplicate identities, if no one challenges your identity, then you get uh, verified as a human. So we have this network of participants that can challenge other identities. And once challenged, you have to go to a conflict resolution system called Kleros, uh, that will try to arbitrage between your challenger and the con yourself as an identity, as an, uh, as an identity generation individual. Uh, so, the, the Proof of Humanity Registry right now has 1,300 humans uh, or candidate humans. Uh, I, I think I haven't checked this properly, but probably 300, 400 have been verified already. And you have this to be verified. You need another previously verified human to vouch for you. So this vouching mechanism, uh, it's not like a like. It's, you know, vouches. I can vouch for many people. But my vouchers will be processed sequentially, one after the other. If one of my vouchers gets challenged, my my remaining vouchers uh, will get stuck until that vouchee gets sorted out. So this prevents a spam bot network from taking over the registry. It's very resistant to that. Even myself, as one of the co-founders of the project, I have been, I have been decentralized from influencing the protocol because one of my vouchers got challenged. And I have like 20 or 30 pending vouchers to be processed. So this created a lot of incentives from participants in the network to do crowd vouching groups on Telegram, uh, to organize and to coordinate efforts in order to get a vouch that would get them verified as a human being. So all of these dynamics have been completely emergent out of crypto economic incentives put in place by the Proof of Humanity protocol. Uh, to generate an identity, you have to put a deposit. If you are verified, you get your deposit back. So there are all these costs uh, in the system that also tries to prevent, again, an attack from a spam bot network or, or the ability to create uh, duplicate identities. Uh, it's, it's, it's been incredible to watch this. I'm, he I'm hearing from friends and colleagues that they are putting their parents on this system because uh, you know, it's or, or some people are putting their children in it. Uh, it's really fascinating wow. to see what's going on. And so to every verified human we mint, once you get verified, you get access to the UBI token. The UBI token is one token per hour. Uh, that's the, the initial issuance rate. Uh, 
The token, when we put it into the market, is an USC20. So it has, you know, it can be traded freely. We do not control the price. We let the market do that. And during the first day, we listed it on Uniswap, which is a decentralized exchange. And we listed it at $1.25. And within 24 hours, it went up to $170. De facto wow. value in the network at, uh, in the first day at over a billion dollars, which was pretty surreal. That said, the liquidity level we had uh, was around $200,000. So it's not like we had $1 billion. But the market value you know, on day zero went that high very fast. On day two, <laughs> it went down very fast. <laughs> it went all the way down back to uh, uh, below our initial price of $1.25. It, it went down to $0.30, cents, $0.40. Cents. Now, here's the thing. At one movie per hour, $0.30, $0.40... Cents, it meant that a universal basic income of $300, $400 a month, which is a lot in many countries. So at its worst moment, the token was all still able to deliver a meaningful universal basic income. Right now, the token bounced back to $3, $4. Uh, it, it went up to 6 and now it's at 3 4 uh, And the liquidity levels in these 25 days grew from zero to... It went... It reached... A milestone that was important for me before launching, that was $100,000. It reached that goal in the first few hours. And now it's over a million dollars in liquidity, uh, backing the token, uh, using nothing but decentralized protocols, leveraging tools like Uniswap and the you know, ERC20 tokens uh, and, and standard code on Ethereum. Uh, and it's been... Uh, a very interesting experience because at, at 1300 humans working on cyberspace being a tool that record like that can be deployed anywhere there's an internet connection uh, what i like about this technology proof of humanity and the uvi token is that it's a level playing field technology the a kid in in bangalore will get the same amount of uvi than a kid in oslo or in connecticut uh, it's a level playing field technology. It doesn't recognize frontiers. And it's a crypto economic experiment at, uh, in a large extent. But it's really interesting to see that there's very strong demand so far uh, for uh, a universal basic income solution on the blockchain. And there has been a bunch of experiments launched. Uh, we're quite excited about the results we're getting on, in our first month being live on the mainnet. That's amazing. I mean, I think I think that you know, universal basic income has has definitely been something that that's been like thought of uh, qu quite often. And there are a few other projects I, I'm aware of that sort of have launched. But um, I'm I'm particularly bullish on on what you guys are doing, and um, and think that I mean, if anyone has thought about this in the like you know. In the world, I, I I imagine you're one of the people that has thought about this the most, <laughs> if that if that's fair, you know. Um, uh, I guess to to like go down this a little further. So, how many people are are currently on uh, verified humans? So I don't have the number of verified ones, but I can look for you. It's uh, it's probably around three hundred, four hundred right now. Uh, I need to check those numbers properly but the total number of applicants so far or you know right now we have uh, 13 1363 profiles generated in the network 
uh, that for blockchain terms is a huge number because actually each profile is the setup of a node in the protocol. So we can compare it with other protocols, over a thousand nodes. The interesting thing is that if we are able to effectively reach potentially any human, there are some costs, you know, gas and, and stuff like that. But as, as, as Ethereum scales, if we can reach every human, the network, it can be a very decentralized network in and itself because each node is effectively a single human being. And the challenge of the incentives of how proof of humanity work is to make sure it remains that way and that there's no focal point of centralization uh, within the authorities granting the rights that are given by this, by this technology. That makes sense. This also, um, the way that identity is verified sounds a little bit familiar to me as bright ID. Uh, is that right? Yeah, there's, I would say, you know, there's a paper we published last year uh, called Who Watches the Watchmen? It's a review of uh, seven different approaches to proof of personhood. We, that's the generic name we used, uh, where we researched or we reviewed Bright ID, uh, which uses a technique of social graphs, uh, signaling, you know, if you belong to a group that at the same time has influential people that belong to other influential groups, some kind of calculation like that. Uh, I'm probably misrepresenting the, 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 exactly how it works, but that's one of the approaches, which is kind of like encompassed in, in, in the web of, web of trust approach. And with the web of trust approach is the same approach being used by proof of humanity in a certain extent. You have people vouching for other people, not necessarily a game of reputation, uh, but you do have a game of arbitration focused on detecting duplicates and, and deep fakes from the in the network civils uh, and deep fakes. Uh, so, uh, Bright ID is one of them. Another approach is IDENA. IDENA uses Turing tests, synchronous Turing tests that are hard for machine to solve but easy for humans, and these are have to be solved in in, in commit and reveal parties. Uh, that's an interesting project. It has around 7,000 nodes right now. Uh, very uh, strong on the privacy keeping aspect of it. We are somewhat between these two. We use video. People have to generate a video of themselves. Uh, and that video ha ha has to be analyzed by other members of the network. And they have an incentive to challenge videos that are wrong or that are duplicates or that are not, do not follow the rules. And uh, the video element is kind of like working on the Turing resistant aspect of the network. So we use human collective intelligence to detect deep fakes or, or duplicates. And the, the well of trust element is also present on this on, on the vouching uh, mechanic, which was really surprising to see the, the coordination around it. And that was one of the most interesting highlights unexpected to be honest when we launched the project that it would be so strong that there, there would be a black market of people selling vouchers for money you know and that's kind <laughs> of like the clientelism that we want to make sure blockchain brings transparency at least and we can point at it and it's it's happened like we've been able to look at this phenomena uh, so it's a very exciting experiment uh, it's based on the work of a lot of people Democracy Earth has an original paper from 2017 
uh, that explored this idea. It called it back then proof of identity. It had a token minted for every verified identity. Uh, and now it's real. Like uh, a lot of the things that we wrote in that paper, uh, thanks to the maturity of the DeFi ecosystem, the Ethereum protocol, uh, technologies like Kleros, uh, and, and the commitment of, of the team of Democracy Earth and Kleros, and, and now a growing community behind Proof of Humanity, uh, it, it is very promising. Uh, it has been one of the most interesting launches in my career, if not the most interesting one. Um, I'm, I'm in awe, like, uh, you know, we have this token out there and uh, it works, it's being used in different ways, it's being traded uh, and it's being able to, to grow in value. Um, this, this, if, if we can build a, a more social facing blockchain ecosystem, not just the capitalist, uh, you know, financial profit-driven game, which is obviously incredible to see. Uh, but uh, we, if we can also use the incredible coordination capacities that the internet has to troll a hedge fund in Wall Street or to suddenly make uh, Dogecoin worth $7.5 billion, why don't we use that energy to make uh, UBI worth that and we, we can make a network that can reach everyone on the planet and get them get the machines to pay, get the machines to work for us, right? Not, not us working for the machine. Uh, I think that's another big argument ar around UBI. We've seen in the last decade, the trauma that automatization brought to the working class, like uh, Uber around the world coming into every city, they had to face the opposition of uh, taxi drivers. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Every job is threatened that way in the coming decades. So are we going to be just, you know, a, a cog in the machine driving the car or, or will the self-driving cars get to pay for our time and then we can use that basic, those basic needs covered can free us to, to, to pursue a more and more our passions or, 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 or more creative work and not just coercive work, which is the vast majority of work being done today. The end of work is good news, but it will be good news if it, if it pays the bills. That's amazing. I love how optimistic um, your perspective is because so many people love to sort of speculate on the dystopic reality of machines taking over the, the job markets and things like that. Um, like you mentioned, like taxi drivers, etc. But if we were able to, um, this actually, this ties back to one of my first episodes with Andy Tudhope. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Um, but he's, um, he, he's a really great thinker within the crypto Ethereum space also. Um, and we, he, he mentioned this, this idea of a, um, a society that supports in like today, our society is in, in the paradigm of, um, of, of like merit reward, a system that, that you must contribute work in order to, um, be rewarded, um, you know, security and life and, and your, your needs. But, uh, what you're describing is sort of that that shift in paradigm where society could uh, grant you um, by default your needs in order to create uh, more positive benefit 
for and and in a more just society for for um, you, you know or, or or open up creativity and and bandwidth for people to contribute to a more just society, right? It's like it's like kind of flipping the order of operations there, um, which I think is really idyllic and and quite um, exciting if it were to be implemented properly. So that I mean I guess that would be kind of the ultimate result or the hopeful end state for um for the ubi project specifically it's a you know everything we're doing is highly experimental Uh, we don't know like if 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 you ask me before launching the token that this would be happening i wouldn't believe you so i i'm really i can i don't know what to expect moving forward Um, but so far it's been really interesting uh, and it's a consequence to me the most surprising element is that there's more people than I thought out there willing to learn and, 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 and on being you know willing to be onboarded to stuff like Ethereum for the first time not just getting onboarded to the exchange and buy the token and see what happens with the price that was the last bubble on this bubble now I see a lot of people like all right let me get MetaMask uh, let's pay for the gas of this transaction. What the hell is gas? Like people really learning how to use the blockchain and not just uh, looking at the at a chart and trading the, against that, that chart. And to that, that's a very optimistic note about the fact that the internet can really change now. Uh, if we get, if we are, if technology like Ethereum or, you know, whatever comes next, you know, we have to be open-minded with, with tech because innovation can happen anywhere. But, Certainly, Ethereum is leading regarding smart contracts, and and we have a this composability element where we can combine the strengths of different uh, services out there in, in so many interesting ways. That uh, why not we can try crypto economic experiments like UBI? Uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. Right now, we reach an incredible milestone, having uh, over a million dollars. Uh, backing the 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 economic weight of the token is is it shows me that there's real demand for something like this, uh, and we have a responsibility and challenge all of us in, involved with the project to to keep on shipping and delivering. Now we have a we, after we launch we have suddenly a community with thousands of people thousand a thousand people on the Telegram channel a thousand more on the Spanish Telegram t- channel. And now it's, you know, I'm being bombarded by messages all over the place. But at the same time, from each place, you find someone who is hacking something new. Some guy built a graph uh, to visualize all of the vouchers. Another guy built a tool that looks at the images and finds similar faces and tries to suggest that this might be duplicate identities. And it's doing a bot for that. Another one is, uh, you know, the whole, the, the, the conflicts that the, 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 the system had, they were very debated on Twitter. So the fact that we have all of these conversations happening right now means that there's an active community and uh, it's, it's very promising. Like it's, it's, it's been fascinating to, to be uh, very close to, to this phenomena these past weeks. That's amazing. I think, um, and that's something I think that's often overlooked with technology is that really so so you know for instance for ethereum as an example um it 
it, Ethereum may not be the most technologically advanced decentralized protocol from the code or or you know efficiency level, right? But it has created a um, a, a uh, catalyst for this community that is a pretty pretty unstoppable to be completely honest and, and really nothing else compares to the community that's around ethereum which i guess i'm curious like where do you think the community for the proof of humanity project came from and what was you know how do you curate and catalyze that kind of effect on um on a project i think that's something that is in a lot of ways the secret behind actually creating successful uh, projects. It's, it's, it's almost less about the technology and it's more about the human coordination. Well, you know, when, when the Ethereum and Democracy Earth joined forces to research proof of humanity, the first step was to do a Telegram group. Uh, we brought in uh, researchers that were looking to this problem from different communities, uh, Radical Exchange or, uh, you know, there's, there's a bunch of environments that had academics, hackers, and activists looking into digital democracy, identity, decentralized identity. And I, I knew the Kleros team very well. They know me very well for many years. We met at DEPCON in Prague uh, with Fede, one of the co-founders of Ethereum. He's Argentine like me, and uh, we've been friends for over 10 years. Uh, so uh, it was a natural fit in terms of the culture. We had the two projects uh, and, and everyone involved researching this stuff. Uh, then the Bright ID guys are also on the, that were on the, the original Proof of Humanity group. The IDENA guys, like everyone exchanging and sharing notes. Uh, a very strong spirit of cooperation, even to, to this day, uh, which is something pretty amazing about the op open source culture. Uh, how it teaches you and trains you um, not to be, uh, you know, not, not, not to claim ownership over any idea, just to share as much as you can to contribute to the conversation in an open and public way. And it's just incredible karma because you'll suddenly discover someone's, you know, maybe building on top of something you build in a much better way. And then it's a, it's a, it self reinforces the, 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 the willingness to, to keep on building in public and openly. And, and these type of projects like Proof of Humanity can only be made that way, you know, in an open way, in a, using decentralized protocols. Today it's, it's Ethereum. Ethereum is where the smart contract activity and the liquidity and has this pain point of uh, gas cost and proof of work and whatever, but but uh, eventually, you know, software remains, hardware changes. <laughs> we are still using the same operating systems from the 80s, technically speaking, you know, the same brand of Unix. You know, some people, you know, well, some people are still using Windows, I guess, but that began in the 80s. Good software takes 10 years to build. And uh, I, I, that's the interesting thing about this, these networks. Uh, Bitcoin has been, uh, alive and kicking for 10 years and and probably you know we were building all these layers we'll see where where it goes from here but uh, it's it's really um i think that it's a, really a consequence of the inform digital revolution of of the last 30 years since the 
I don't know where you can draw the line. It, was it the personal computer? Was it the internet? Was it uh, the web? Was it, uh, what, where's the line? Was it Linux? It's a combination of all of those forces, all, all of that culture. Was it Bitcoin? Was it Satoshi? Was it Vitalik? Everything is coming together in, the, in cyberspace in an openly cooperative way, which is, is the real free market, uh, that free spirit of permissionless cooperation, uh, the permissionless element where I can grab your code. You know, building smart contracts is pretty much copy-pasting code as much as you can because it's very risky to write your own code in a smart contract. Actually, for the code of the UBI token, I, my biggest source of inspiration was code that I found on the Aave repository, uh, which they had a token which they never, I, uh, to my knowledge, they haven't deployed it yet to the mainnet, but they had a streaming token. And I just look at that streaming code and I was like, okay, let's implement that on the UBI token so we make it streamable. We, we, we thought it would be really interesting to, it would save a lot of people gas. And the token, once you're verified as a human, it just gets streamed to your wallet and it updates with every new block. It just drips you and uh, we, we took that code from Aave and we polished it a little bit and then we put it on mainnet before they did. <laughs> and it's the first streamable token out there. There are some streaming services that you can wrap tokens with it and you can use those services that are wrappers over. But this is a token that natively streams itself uh, through proof of humanity, which is really... Uh, a, that's why we use like a, a drip emoji. It gets dripped, you know, 0.00028 UUVI per second. Uh, and it's incredible. Like, uh, that's, that's what open source can do. You know, it, 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 it speed ups your, your capacity as a, as a technologist and as a creator. Uh, I don't believe that a private corporation with private data looking for the best talent can reach that level of quality. I don't believe that. I believe that, you know, ultimately openness, wow, really wins uh, the race long term. I do believe that, but maybe I'm, I'm a bit of an idealist. I mean, you know, I think that's why this space is so fun and uh, to build in is because uh, many are idealists um, and it's, it's kind of founded by idealists. Uh, uh, despite there also being this like greedy underbelly of of the of the ecosystem as well, of course, but that's also it's it's like you know it's like it's like two sides of human nature in a lot of ways, um, and I love what you're saying about the nature of open source. I think this is a reoccurring theme within all of the conversations that I've had uh, with people uh, throughout the ecosystem is the spirit of cooperation and knowledge sharing. Um, ultimately, the you know the the goal or the end state, the people who are building within this ecosystem are taking the bet that that will compound faster than uh, you know closed sourced systems and information systems, and and so ultimately we should be able to develop technology that have stronger incentive structures in the long uh, in the long run, right? Like after 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 more years, um, and it's really interesting too, like the history of the internet is so young, right? Like we, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not even been a human lifetime since the internet began, right? It's been like 50 years. Uh, and there's so much continuing to develop and also a lot of history to capture. 
because there hasn't been a technology like this, I mean, ever. The, the connectivity today is still something that humans are wrapping our minds around as a society. Uh, and the possibilities and outcomes are, are extremely unclear. It's, 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 like a, it's like another grand experiment, um, which is, yeah, which is a big part of the thing that is like enthralling and really invigorating about building within this, uh, within this ecosystem. The, in terms of civilization, it's, 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 the internet has been around for very few decades. Like it started in the 1960s as a research project from, this is an important aspect about it. The internet is uh, American in the West, at least, uh, because mm -hmm. it was developed by DARPA, which is the defense uh, research uh, branch of the America's uh, army, you know, of the military. And it was built, you know, they, they needed a decentralized protocol back then because of the fear of a nuclear attack or a chirurgical attack against a strategic target. So in order to make the target irrelevant, you decentralize the information with a network that keeps the information distributed and no single place becomes relevant for the Soviets to destroy. So it was born out of paranoia that led to Americans doing the cool thing, which was decentralizing stuff. And eventually, you know, with TCAP IP 1980, you had this protocol of doing IP addresses and, you know, building packets of information and shuffling that, decentralizing the protocol even more. And then the World Wide Web with Berners-Lee and the browser, Mosaic, and, and HTML and HTTP, which were the winning protocols back in the mid 90s. There were several protocols you could use with the internet. It was Usenet, Gopher, uh, SMTP or uh, POP3 for email, which today most people use webmails. Um, uh, but it's really interesting how, how this, this thing is, keeps landing on earth, to quote David Bowie. Uh, and now it's taking institutional shape. It's, it's really, it's becoming a monetary phenomenon, it's becoming a political phenomenon, and, and it's definitely getting more and more economic presence in the macro, uh, at the macro level, you know, Bitcoin is compared to gold now, uh, Ethereum, you know, has the same level of productivity than a country like mine, uh, in terms of GDP, <laughs> weird, uh, and this is all happening in cyberspace. So it looks like it's some kind of, uh, it has gravitational pull of its own, the information, the information spectrum. There's more and more information in the world and it needs, it needs us to, it's benefiting us in multiple ways. And, and we need to understand, you know, it can be also be weaponized. Uh, you know, Cambridge Analytica, Facebook, tracking the tracking of our privacy on a daily basis. That's why addressing identity is so important. The one vulnerability being exploited across all systems is identity. And that's what made Facebook big, as big as the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, they only achieved that through different means, through the means of the market, uh, whereas the Chinese did it through the means of uh, realpolitik. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, if you look very closely, the blue ones and the red ones, they look very similar. There's not much difference. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, propaganda from one side of the world or the other side of the world. Uh, at the end, I think we all want 
uh, we we all we we want. I'm an idealist. Like I mean, we all we are all sharing this world. Uh, we are we, the conversations around climate, the conversations with with COVID. COVID gave us a sense that we are all in this together, like nothing ever before. Uh, the fact that every single country in every single place of the planet had to go through a lockdown, uh, and you see the. The, the nuances and the differences between each country on how they are vaccinating people or how how they you know how these jurisdictions work how these states work and it's all a big mess and uh, people want to eject themselves from that that's my sensation that this this bull run began uh, right at the same time the United States exploded in live TV after that weird election for the first time with a candidate not recognizing the other side, which is has very little precedent in America, but has a tremendous amount of precedent elsewhere. This type of political clashes, storming the Congress, you know, it's situation normal, all fucked up for traditional politics, even in America. Coops used to be an export product of America. Now it's happening, kind of happening at home. Um, I mean, I don't mean anyone bad uh, and no harm. You know, we have to be respectful of the institutions we have. There's tremendous history be- behind them, but we might be, uh, we might be able to try new stuff now with Ethereum, with Bitcoin, or with any of the new networks that are out there. Some very exciting projects are being developed, and hopefully, you know, if, if a new thing comes and it's bigger than Ethereum and Bitcoin altogether. It means that we're going even faster to to the future, and, and and it looks looks very promising to me. That's what keeps me hopeful. At least you know I, I I come from Argentina. I come from a poor country, and there are a lot of financial stress uh, with a very bad social situation, and stuff like this is could be life changing to to a lot of people. Absolutely, I think um, I I completely agree, and you know. Uh, whenever I'm thinking about decentralized governance, um, I think like the history of governance, even within human society, is continuing to evolve, right? And even like the U.S. as an empire and as a form of governance, the democracy uh, is relatively young within our history of, of coordination. And now, compared to the internet, is is relatively is like quite old. Um, and it's hard to iterate on governance because of the bureaucracy structures that are sort of uh, set up and then the red tape and then the societal systems that are kind of like ingrained and people uh, have a short-term memory as far as history goes. So it feels like the rules have always been set, although the rules are continually continuing to evolve. Whenever I think about the DAO systems that are developing within Ethereum, uh, to me, all of these are new micro experiments within uh, like micro democratic experiments to kind of potentially try and solve for these these meta problems of uh, of governance that we desperately need to build because you know the constitution of the united states was was created to govern 13 colonies and maybe like i don't know how many people there were in the u.s back then but probably not even a million people right <laughs> something 30,000 30,000 30, 30, 30, people. people. <laughs> Literally 30,000 people. So we have 
um, more than 10x that number now within the United States itself. And, and we expect our system to kind of continue to function in a similar way. <laughs> yeah, but you look at the first election, like, uh, I don't know, Washington, I don't know if Washington got elected, but the first one that got elected, it was mm. like 7,000 votes or something like that. <laughs> I remember reading that on Wikipedia many years ago. I, I hope the information is right, but it's, it looks, yeah, people be, has been uh, yeah, reproducing in 200 years, and now it's 300 million and immigrants and everything, right? But, but it was really small in, during the time of the Founding Fathers. As small as proof of humanity. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And the thing, I don't know, the thing that's like exciting about proof of humanity in the internet is that things can scale on a whim almost. And if you find the right incentive structure that's elegant and, um, you know, c can perform, it's, it's, you know, you, it's a, it's a total game changer. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I really love what you guys are doing with proof of humanity. How did you... I know, I know there's like a lot, there's so many vectors within this kind of environment of like governance, of decentralized governance, right? How did you, how did you um, come upon this experiment as being the one to really focus on? Well, the, I think, for, you know, on, on a technology like Kleros is, was really interesting because it's about conflict resolution and uh, it's, it's a it has been more and more tested during the last years where it has been used to uh, generate a list of curated tokens for Uniswap, for example, or it was used. So these, these were the first use cases that it found within the community uh, that was some, somewhat useful for, for, for another decentralized service to rely on. And the, the maturity of that was, you know, allowed for the idea of exploding, well, can, you know, Kleros, Essentially, it's a technology that helps uh, create any kind of oracle uh, through its conflict resolution mechanism. Technically, build a list of anything, and using it for list listing tokens for an exchange was a, a, a nice first step for them. But now, they are using it to generate a list of humans using video proofs. Uh, could potentially be used for making a list of anything, uh, but it, it will be it's interesting to see how this technology evolved, it, it, it tweaked and improved its crypto-economic incentives for those that are challenging, for those that are appealing to, to a, 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 what a juror has voted for, or you know, it has everything in place for that. Uh, then the, you know, on our end, Democracy Earth, uh, for the last at least three years, we identified that identity was the one building block that needed to be figured out, formalizing human identity. That's what I mean by identity, not identity in abstract, like a pointer in a computer, uh, but formalizing human identity was core. Because if I look at all of the uh, pilots that we have done in the past, every single one of them, a very common vector of attack was a civil attack. Uh, we, we were, in my life, I have been hacked by communists twice. First in Buenos Aires, uh, where we did a pilot for the, uh, for the city congress, we had the, the Workers' Party generate uh, 6,000 fake accounts. Uh, and then in 2016, we did a shadow referendum in Hong Kong using Telegram for electing this Hong Kong major with the Umbrella Movement. It was a cooperation with them. We had 800,000 participants in Telegram. 600,000 of them came from a Chinese IP. So we can assume we were hacked by the Chinese Communist Party. 
and two times on digital democracy pilots, the, the communists hijacked the election with fake uh, identities uh, or a civil attack wow. in some way. So uh, to, to us that those experiences led to, well, this is the Achilles heel of digital democracy, right? Uh, and obviously any kind of system that it's aims to be institutional and not just a survey, a silly survey, like whatever people put like on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, uh, any system that aims to become an institution that moves real money, real value, has to be built using smart contracts or cryptocurrency or something that 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 really works on that level. Uh, so addressing identity and using blockchain-based net, blockchain networks has been, for the last four years, I'd say, since our paper, The Social Smart Contract, uh, has been the main priority of democracy health from a research angle. We were mm -hmm. able to win a couple of grants that uh, advanced our research significantly. And uh, when we merged efforts with, with Kleros, it was a match made in heaven because uh, spiritually we were already very well aligned. We're all friends and colleagues and we know each other and we share the same values for sure. And technically, uh, it has proven to be an, a tremendous collaboration. Uh, to me, as a programmer, it has been an incredible experience to, to, to develop the UBI token and to, to put something on the mainnet that, you know, now it's, 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 it's generating value for this uh, universal basic income ex uh, experiment. That's amazing. And that makes a lot of sense. I think... Um... You know, many people will think about democracy and be like, oh, well, you need to be voting on things, right? <laughs> is that is that for your 10-minute er, warning uh, for your next call? <laughs> no worries. Well, we, we can make this quick. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like, I get it. Um, um, but um, just, like, a, a few final thoughts. Like, I think, like, people think of democracy as being voting, um, you know, needed. And, it, I mean, you've... I mean, how many people, you've run a variety of very successful experiments within that type of democratic system within parties uh, in Argentina, in China, like, like, or in Hong Kong, like you mentioned. Um, I'm imagining that coordinating that was also extremely, like, its own challenge, and I'm sure it had its own, own lessons. Were you using Ethereum for those experiments as well? Were, were people, no, were actually, people? on the Hong Kong pilot, we use Bitcoin and we use uh, a, a Merkle tree technique with Bitcoin, okay. storing uh, in a single transaction like 3,000 votes. Nice. Uh, weird technical choice, but we figured, well, you know, what can be done with, with the Bitcoin blockchain? Uh, and uh, during the first attempt, it was a traditional client server open source software, but client server is a recipe for uh, surveillance. Yeah. So don't trust a server ever. Mm. Don't trust a server ever. That's, That's a great motto for life. That's a good takeaway. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that. <laughs> That's, please do. Um, that's really great. Um, and that's, I mean, that's so interesting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You, you know, you come from having these different experiments uh, that actually were working with political parties. And these were internal. I, I, I didn't realize that, you know, people were so aware that they wanted to hack the internal or the internal process of decision making for these different political parties. That's like very, to me, that's like actually a successful experiment because it means that it was meaningful for the for the opposition and if it's meaningful for the opposition then it's really meaningful for the 
uh, for the party that that's actually uh, doing the action, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's uh, it's it's so far it's it's been amazing to see. You know, at the end of the day, we're talking about lives, human people, you know, human beings, uh, and I think it's important to be aware that. All of these incredible technologies should be able to uh, hopefully deliver a better world than the one that we're living in that brings more opportunity, more prosperity, more, more tools, more awakening and more knowledge to, to everyone. Uh, I'm a firm believer on the Internet. The Internet has changed my life for sure, and, and the life of my entire generation and every generation after mine. And with the blockchain and with Bitcoin, it's that on steroids. And... Uh, I, I'm very optimistic about what we can unlock as a community. Uh, you know, uh, uh, someone was sending me a message on over social media telling me that the, he was going to be onboarding uh, his, his brother who needs to go to the university and he cannot afford uh, going to the university. He has to work a, you know, a, a nine to six job and stuff like that. And, and he was gonna use this to, to you know, to 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 see if he could, you know, afford uh, studying. Uh, if we get one case like that, like some, uh, some, you know, uh, last week I I talked with a foundation in Argentina. They uh, we did a class to teenagers that live in, in you know in, in in slums, you know, in one of the poorest slums in the country. And all of these kids, they have a smartphone. The the, the Digital divide is really a generational thing more than a socioeconomical thing. So you have kids in India, in Mozambique, in, in Egypt, in, I don't know, everywhere, in, in Australia, in Japan, you know, everywhere, every new generation is being connected to, to the internet. And we can use these incredible coordination efforts that we have unleashed with crypto and, and these networks, not only to troll a Wall Street hedge fund, but potentially uh, build a welfare system on top of these technologies that deliver, delivers welfare without intermediaries, without clientelism, without the, the, the man in the middle attack, which is extremely common, especially in the developing world. All of the money in politics is being hijacked by money in the middle attacks. You, you'd be scared if I told you what I know about my country, and I've been involved in politics in my country, and there are, there are some serious criminals uh, in the middle of, of the delivery of aid through the state or through the welfare system in Latin America and everywhere. And if we can beat them with technology, uh, it would be a very interesting battle to, to win. Uh, let's see what the... <laughs> the Dijen DeFi traders think of this. Uh, I know some of them have a heart. Uh, most of them do probably. They're young. They should be idealistic. And so far, they seem to be supporting the project. So I'm, I'm thankful for the nice start we got. Let's see where we move from here now. Absolutely. I, I, I have chills, honestly, um, thinking about the, the student who wouldn't have been able to focus on their education because they had to, to pay off their work through, you know, to, to be able to afford that time and, and energy via UBI. And I also have chills from the reality of the uh, 
misaligned system that that exists today and the in the potential that you know we can we can overcome this um i i agree to uh, coordinating the degens will be important <laughs> because that therein lies the liquidity right <laughs> and, and and a lot of power with that and i <laughs> that's right that's right absolutely and um you know i i also think that you know i i have faith that you know in general yeah despite the intention of you know making that 10x return there's also a lot of uh people who are there under the right intention and and, and uh supporting supporting the technology with integrity so well, Santi, I know you have a thousand Telegram messages to get to and plenty more uh, to do. Thanks so much for taking the time in the middle of this of this UBI launch. I really appreciate you uh, spending an hour with me here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to, to talk. And, and yeah, looking forward to see, to, to keep this conversation in the future. And hopefully we'll see where we are <laughs> with UBI and, and probably there. Hopefully it will still be there and it will be even bigger. Than Absolutely. Today. No, definitely. I'm a big fan of your work. So, you know, uh, keep crushing it. And um, I'm excited to continue the conversation. There's plenty more to, to discuss and, and, and share. <laughs> Ciao. If you want to explore more and deepen your understanding of cryptocurrency concepts and mechanisms available today, please visit our Gitbook or Crypto Encyclopedia. You can find it on our website at square1.tech. Thanks for listening.